Brain Comedy is proud to present the very latest in edu comedy podcast technology. If you are struggling to fill up your time after you have clocked off at 3.30, then allow us to help you by giving you something to listen to whilst hiding in the toilet or PE cupboard until you have reached a socially acceptable time to go home. So come with us now and enter Ed U. Michael has planned and prepared a complex spag lesson, inspired by his love of spelling, punctuation and grammar. He has made a trio of complex sentences, each one served on a bed of relative clauses and garnished with a fricassee of modal verbs, determiners and fronted adverbials. Michael has seasoned his lesson with a peppering of prepositions, a past tense emulsion and a dust made from a mixture of his favourite adjectives. The whole lesson is topped with a subjunctive foam. Michael, I look at this lesson and well, there's so much going on here, I I don't know where to start. There were just so many ingredients to choose from. You've got a change of tense in the middle that doesn't work. Your adverbs are way overcooked. And just when you think you're getting to the end, you're hit with another conjunction. I wanted to give them a top table something to get their teeth stuck into. But you've just chucked everything at it to the point where (laughs) it's just downright confusing. It's too much... Reading it back, I I can see that now. I like a complex sentence as much as the next man, but this is too much even for my mouth. Sorry, Michael. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. When was your last confession? Two terms ago, Father. Confess your sins, and you will find peace, my child. I've been using Sandra's mug for six weeks now. And I've also been hiding the biscuit tin from Julie. Do you worry for her health? No, I just hate the way she gets crumbs on the keyboard. I see. I I don't correct the head spelling mistakes on the newsletter. And I always tell the teachers that we've run out of glue sticks when there are 650 stashed underneath my desk. Six Hale Academies this evening and sacrifice your glue stick collection on the altar of the staff room table. Thank you, Father. Hello, and welcome to Book Look, the show where we review the latest book releases for children. Joining me is our resident literary guru, Sean Feather. Hello, Adam. Now, Sean, tell us about the book we're reviewing today. Well, Adam... It's the tale of a sweet little maggot who eats his way to becoming a fly. It's by German author Gunther von Rittwinkelstein and it's called I Fly. Each day he comes across something new to eat, doesn't he? And he becomes bigger and bigger until at last... Well, don't spoil the ending, Adam. Now, I shared this book with my children and I have to say they weren't impressed. Oh, really? They thought it was disgusting. It is quite a graphic book that may not be to everyone's taste. You can say that again. But it is a fascinating look at how the ecosystem's equilibrium is maintained by, in this case, a cheeky wee maggot. 
You say that, Sean, but on Wednesday we see him eating the rotting flesh of a dead rabbit. But of course this isn't just a playful book about metamorphosis. It's also a powerful study in eating disorders. Well, I certainly wasn't hungry after I'd finished it. I think von Rip Winkelstein is trying to get readers to reevaluate their relationship with food by putting them up close into the maggot's world. Now, this book is also available as a scratch and sniff. That's right, Adam. It's a truly immersive experience. Sounds disgusting. So, Sean, does I Fly get a thumbs up from you? Well, as you know, Adam, I think rating books is an insult to the creative process, but I would highly recommend this book to any youngster who is environmentally minded. Well, I'm afraid, as it put me off my tea, it's a thumbs down from me. I Fly can frankly buzz off. And darling, have you given any thought to the title of your book? Uh, not really, no. Great, well, I've come up with a few options. Okay. Why don't I pop a few in your mental microwave and see if any of them go ping? Uh, okay, if you must. Right, the art of teaching. No. In a class of your own. No. Teaching without limits. No. Being the teacher you never had. No. Be the only teacher you'll ever need. No. Those who plan, teach. No. Those who teach, plan. No. Planning to teach? No. Never plan again? No. The accidental teacher? No. The accidental pupil? No. All talk and no teaching? No. Teach like you never did. Ah, there you go, Paul. Cheers. Cheers, Mac. Mmm. I needed that. One of those days, one of those weeks. Linda has been an absolute nightmare. Oh, God, really? Believe it, Paul. The number of people she's reduced to tears this week, heaven knows. Do you think Linda even knows she's doing it? Oh, she knows all right. That's why she does it when nobody else is watching. God, it's such a shame. She's quite nice one-to-one. Oh, I know. If only she wasn't such a B-I-T-C-H whenever she has to interact with more than one human being. Exactly. Although... Oh? You know what I was saying about her only doing it when nobody's watching? She hasn't. Sent a string of vile messages on social media pretending to be the new girl but stupidly sent them from her own phone? Yes, she has. How do you know? 29 screenshots from all the other girls, plus confirmation of the IP address from IT support. You're kidding. Do I look like I'm kidding, Paul? Take a look at this. My God, Mac. Isn't there an age limit on that app? 13. And how old is Linda now? She's just turned six. We've got a bang to rights. She's looking at a three playtime stretch of restorative justice. So Linda's reign is finally over. And even better than that, Paul, she's no longer allowed to play the part of the pumpkin in the Harvest Festival. Good for you, Mac. Another glass of wine? I think it would be rude not to. You know, Paul, sometimes teaching six-year-olds really is the best job in the world. Just when you thought you might try getting into podcasts, Ed, you, la- Hello, I'm Martha Moonshine, and welcome to Crafty Fun. <laughs>
the show that proves how hands-on teaching is as exhausting as it is time-consuming. Today, we're looking at DT, Design Technology, or Damaging Tables as it's more commonly known. Today, we're making catapults. For this, you'll need some stiff card, a wooden dowel, two rusty pins, and a pneumatic pulley system made from some discarded syringes you found around the back of a hospital. To start with, you'll want to abandon any designs the children have come up with as they're likely to be no good at all. And make sure any dyspraxic children are either sitting on their hands or, better still, out of the classroom altogether. Once the children have cut out a ready-made template, use a variety of joining techniques to attach the dowel. I find hot glue works best. If you're not sure how much to use, I find about six blisters per child is usually enough. Loop the pneumatic pulley system around the base of the catapult and balance the rusty pins on the end. The catapults are now ready to be tested by firing them at your classroom assistant. And that's all for this week. See you next time for more crafty fun with me, Martha Moonshine. Bye-bye. Leading Britain's conversation on teaching and learning. TLC Radio with Mick Mazda in the afternoon. The time now a quarter past one and we're talking about teachers working hours on TLC Radio. Now I don't know about you but teachers have got it easy haven't they? All those holidays and when they are at work they finish at three o'clock in the afternoon. Surely it's time to rethink this isn't it? Larry you're on the line have your say. Well, I think they've got it easy. How so, my friend? Well, like you said, they have all their holidays and school finishes at three. They got it easy. When you put it like that, Larry, I have to say I'm inclined to agree with you. But there are people out there, Larry, God knows we've probably come across them in our time, who say that teachers work incredibly hard teaching our children and that they deserve all the time off they get. What do you say to that? Yeah, but they still finish at three. They got it easy, I'm telling you. I hear you. I hear you, Larry. I really do, mate. Loud and clear. Thanks for calling. Now, someone who may not agree with you, Larry, is our next caller, Shelley. You think very differently, don't you? Completely differently. You're on TLC Radio. Have your say. Teachers work incredibly hard. Oh, hang on a minute. I hope you're not saying that cleaners or bin men or supermarket workers don't work hard. Are you saying that, Shelley? I think teachers do a great job. Right. Yes, I am. Thank you for your call, Shelley. Always glad when someone changes their mind. I haven't actually finished making my point. Oh, well, pardon me, Shelley. Do, by all means, continue. Teachers work incredibly hard. They don't finish at three o'clock, and to say so is highly insulting. Well, now you say that, Shelley, but let me ask you this. Do you know what time the bell rings at the end of the day at your local school? That's not the point. Shelley... What time does your local school end for the day? Just because the children go home does not mean that teachers also go home at that time. Are you going to answer the question? It's very simple. Just answer the question. What time does your local school finish at the end of the day? 3.15. Shelley, 
Thank you for calling. Always good to hear another point of view. Do you know it makes me laugh when people have a go at politicians for not answering questions and then they go and do exactly the same. Now, my next caller is well-placed to answer the question once and for all. Certainly more well-placed than Shelley. Dear, oh dear. Gary, you were a teacher, weren't you? That's right, Mick. I was a part-time teacher for ten years. And what time did you leave work each day? Uh, One o'clock. Well, if that doesn't settle the matter, I don't know what will. Teachers, you've got to work harder. It's as simple as that. Thanks, Gary. You are listening to TLC Radio at a half past one. Coming up, the news. TLC Radio, leading Britain's conversation on teaching and learning. Yes? It's Mrs Harris to see you again, sir. Ah, excellent. Send her in. Mrs Harris, thank you for coming in again at such short notice. Not at all, Headmaster. Do sit down. Thank you. Now, you may be wondering why I've asked you in again so soon, after our last tete-a-tete. Well, I was rather surprised to get the call, Headmaster. Indeed. Mrs Harris, this is a rather sensitive matter concerning young Tommy, but one from which I cannot shirk. Right. Whatever is it? To cut to the chase, Mrs Harris, without beating unnecessarily around the bush. Yes, It's his haircut. His haircut? I'm afraid so. But he's only just had it cut. Has he? On your orders, Headmaster. Yes, well, it was too long, Mrs Harris. Neither of us can dispute that. So what is it now? It's too short. Too short? Indeed, Mrs Harris. But I don't understand. The fact of the matter is, and we must concern ourselves with the facts, Mrs Harris, it's a good deal shorter than our guidelines dictate within school policy. How much shorter? By precisely a touch. I see. Which means, unfortunately for Tommy, it's exactly just a bit shorter than one would expect in a school of such standing. Right. I mean, have you any idea how difficult it is for a teacher to deliver a lesson to a boy with a haircut shorter than you would expect? Oh, I'm most dreadfully sorry, Headmaster. Well, that's as maybe, Mrs Harris, but you do understand that I must now take the appropriate action. And what is that, Headmaster? Some kind of special hat? Oh, goodness me, Mrs Harris. We are not in the Dark Ages. No, no. Tommy will simply have to work in isolation until his hair has grown to an acceptable length. And how long would you think that would take? Well, he's a young boy, Mrs Harris. Hormones raging through the body. I'd say it wouldn't take any longer than three months, give or take. Right. Well, thank you for keeping me informed, Headmaster. Not at all, Mrs Harris. Good day. Yes? Simon Babcock's mother is here to see you, sir. Simon Babcock? The boy with the haircut. Oh, yes. Send her in, please, right away. Teach like you've never taught before. No. Teach like you never will again. No. Teaching from the front. No. Teaching behind enemy lines. Teaching outside the classroom? No. Teaching inside the classroom? No. Learn to love your classroom? No. Learn to leave your classroom? No. Teaching outside the box? No. Teaching inside the box? No. Teaching them a lesson? No. Teach yourself a lesson? No. Teaching, easy as A, B, C? No. One, two, three? No. Teaching by mistake? No. Teaching on purpose? No. Accidental learning? No. Teaching to the converted?
I present to you my list of ultimate chocolate bars. Thank you. Send. Ah. I love this list. Thanks for making it. This is a great list. So many great chocolate bars. Thanks for sharing. I'm new to chocolate. This list will really help me. Oh, that's nice. This list is pretty one color, isn't it? Huh? You've compiled a list of the, so say, best chocolate bars, and it contains no white chocolate. We're all free to write our own lists. This just happens to be mine. Big smile emoji. Hey, why no white chocolate in this list? I was just saying that this is my list, and it's only meant to represent the chocolate that I like. You don't like milky bars? You don't think milky bars have contributed anything to the world of chocolate bars? Of course they have, but that's not what my list is about. I just don't get why you wouldn't include milky bars unless you really didn't like white chocolate. Hey, I like white chocolate. Some of my favourite chocolate bars do white chocolate variations. So you're a fan of cocoa appropriation? I didn't say that. You literally just did. Look, I just don't eat milky bars anymore. Nobody I know does. Wow, that is some milk supremacist trash talk right there. What have you got against milky bars? Nothing. I just don't eat them. Would you prefer it if I put milky bars on my list as a token gesture? No, but at least admit, your list is milk biased. I don't think it is. These are just the best chocolate bars in my opinion. And they all just happen to be milk chocolate. And you wonder why we're having this conversation. All I did was make a list of the regular chocolate bars I like. That doesn't mean I hate all chocolate bars that I haven't included on my list. What do you mean, regular chocolate bars? You're a milkist. I share a list of chocolate bars that I eat and now I'm getting abused. This isn't fair and I will not tolerate it. You're not being abused. That's just your milk fragility talking. How do you think all the white chocolate bar eating people feel about reading your sacred list? You should read the DMs I've had from them. One person is so upset, their Nestle Crunch has practically melted in their hand. To be fair, white chocolate does melt too easily. I'm not surprised none of it made the list. I think it's his list and if he hates white chocolate he should be allowed to say so. I don't hate white chocolate. Anyone who thinks this list has an all milk agenda is just trying to silence debate. Silence debate? Maybe try eating a whisper. Ha 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 ha. If people still think that white chocolate denial is an issue they should take a good look at this thread. Isn't anyone going to mention the absence of dark chocolate in this sketch? We interrupt this sketch to remind you that brained comedy welcomes and celebrates total diversity. And we say that as two white people, one of whom has the book, Why I No Longer Talk to White People About Race, on their bookshelf. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. How long is it since your last confession? Two days and three lessons, Father. And what do you wish to confess? Yesterday, I climbed on the table to put up a display. Have you not read what it says in the good book about such a sin? I know. The school handbook makes it really clear, Father. Always use a stepladder. But that's not the worst thing. Continue. Later on, I used blue tack directly on the class wall. Or you'll need to say three Hale Academies when you get home this evening. And I'll have a word with the site manager. Cheers, Father. Go in peace, my child. May the Lord our Gib be with you. You are currently listening to Ed, you, land, 42% more pointless than that staff meeting about teaching styles. Psst. Psst. Excuse me. Psst. Hello. 
Mrs. Taylor. Mrs. Taylor. Oh, hello, Mr. Uh... Needle. Mr. Needle. Theo's dad. Yes, Mr. Needle, hello. I thought it was you. As soon as I sat down, I thought it was you. Yes, what are the chances? Here on your own. I'm sorry? Theo's at a friend's birthday party, so I thought I'd come to the cinema. No distractions. Yes, no distractions. Nice, isn't it? Yes. I've actually been meaning to have a word with you, actually. Well, I don't think now is a good time, really. It won't take long. Shh. Could you be quiet, please? There's no need to be rude. It's only the trailers. Yes, but all the same, you're being very distracting. Why don't we meet at school next week, Mr Needle, when it's more convenient for everyone? Look, no, hang on. That's better. What are you... It's about Theo's role in the class assembly. I really don't think this is the time... We're both ever so upset. And why is that? Theo's such a wonderful actor. It just seems such a waste. Well, there are 29 other children in the class, Mr Needle. Yes, but narrator too. I think we both know he's wasted on a role like narrator too. Shh, be quiet. It's a very important role, Mr Needle, and I really think Theo is perfect for it. I really think I'd be happier if he had a bigger role. Have you actually read the script, Mr Needle? Uh, no, but... Well, why don't you read it, and then if you still wish to discuss the matter, you can make an appointment to see me at school on Monday. Shh! I just think it would be such a shame if the other parents didn't get to see Theo's range. I'm sure everyone will feel that they've seen more than enough of Theo's range by the end of the assembly, Mr Needle. Of course, in an ideal world, Theo would perform the whole thing single-handedly. Goodness sake, be quiet. Tell you what, Mr Needle... You can get Theo by Monday, off script, complete with perfect timing, choreography, range of voices, all the songs rehearsed, complete with three-part harmony, and performed with the professional nuance that the assembly needs, then I will consider allowing him to perform the whole thing by himself. Really? Really. Well, forgive me, Mrs Taylor, but I should probably go and pick up Theo from the birthday party and tell him the good news. He's got a lot of work to do. Sorry to leave you on your own. It's quite all right, Mr Needle. See you on Monday. Excuse me. Excuse me. Shh. Out of my way. Morning, Sergeant. Oh, morning, sir. I say, bit quiet on the front timeline this morning, isn't it? We think they've muted us, sir. We've been tweeting out some friendly fire messages this morning. You know, something to provoke a little action. Learning should be fun. Exclusion is an illusion. That sort of thing, yes, sir. And? Nothing. Not a single subtweet all morning. What are they playing at? I don't know, sir. One thing, though. Yes? We've noticed a few enemy tweeters sniffing around some of our older tweets left on the battlefield. Hmm. I wonder what... Incoming! Good God! Sir, your mask. What? Put on your mask. Are you all right, sir? Yes, I think so, Sergeant. Bloody nerve gas. Indeed, sir. Damn clever of them, Sergeant, don't you think? Going through some of our older tweets, finding examples of where we've changed our minds, and then attacking us with some you've got a bloody nerve gas. Textbook warfare, sir. Well, I better go and tell HQ that we're about to engage in some pretty heavy outrage. Tell the men to scroll down and delete any old tweets that may indicate they've had a change of heart. Yes, sir. Well, jump to it, Sergeant. But, sir... What about... Yes, Sergeant, what is it? What if the enemy have taken screenshots, sir? We'll never be able to defend ourselves against a screenshot of a contradictory tweet accompanied by a smug comment. 
I know, I know. But all we can do is hope that their phones are too big to press the volume key and the on-off button at the same time with one hand. Oh, I suppose that's possible. That's the spirit. Now, dismissed. Thank you all for coming. As you know, we're becoming increasingly concerned over the number of children who are being forced into slave labour. Thousands of children are now working within the construction industry, building a variety of shoddily put together buildings using large fuzzy blocks. The children are made to work on these building projects for extremely long periods of time, often becoming irritable as fatigue sets in. Some children are even being sent to mine for building materials, which puts them at risk of coming into contact with wild pigs, chickens or zombies. It would appear that our original concerns are not based on reliable information. It is highly unlikely that any child is at risk of falling foul of planning and building regulations. Thank you. Why the reports of the Ender Dragon true, Detective? Is it true that your own child has built your holiday home, Detective? Why is the war in queue, Detective? How is that even possible? A teacher at heart? No. Live to teach? No. Teach to live? No. Brave teaching? No. Strong teaching? No. Power teaching? No. Breaking the rules? No. Making the rules? No. Rules are for fools? No. Rules are for schools? No. No rules, no schools? No. The teaching gap? No. The learning gap? No. The pupil gap? No. Teaching to the gap? No. Teach beyond the gap? No. Mind the gap? No. Ignore the gap? No. Thursday the 15th of November 2018 Mrs Simpson wasn't in today, having messaged me at 5.45 in the morning with a graphic description of what she felt to be a worryingly fluid bowel movement. At the time, I thought nothing of it, save a feeling of deep uneasiness at the prospect of her ringing me again to provide me with an unnecessarily detailed update. It wasn't until later that day when it dawned on me the true significance of her absence, when I realised that I, and I alone, would have to prepare the handouts for the up-and-coming staff meeting. As I stood there, ankle-deep in warm facsimiles that were neither the right size, colour or orientation, I wondered what would come first. Mrs Simpson's ability to produce a solid stool, or my ability to turn my presentation slides into 24 identical A5 booklets. I opened up my third ream of paper, feeding it into the hungry machine. I made a mental note to include this in Mrs Simpson's return to work interview. Good evening and welcome to Headmaster Mind. Our returning contestant tonight is Mrs Ambrose, a head teacher from St Magnus Primary School. Mrs Ambrose, your chosen specialist subject is your head's report to governors and your time starts now. How many pages long is your head's report? 38. And how many pages do you think the governors have read prior to tonight's meeting? Um, 25. Oh, good Lord, no. The correct answer is none. On page two of your head's report, what do you claim was the reason for the unscheduled fire drill on Tuesday morning? To keep everyone on their toes. And what was the real reason? Mr Johnson punched the fire alarm after a particularly stressful break duty. 
Why did the attendance rate drop sharply the week before last? There was a sudden outbreak of chronic diarrhoea across the school. And who was affected by it? Anyone who came into contact with a school fish pie. When did most of the reported bullying incidents occur this term? Oh, uh, pass. How many parents attended your school curriculum evening? One. No, wait. None. I'm sorry, I have to take your first answer. The answer was indeed none. How many Year 4 children went on the trip to the seaside to hunt for fossils as part of their topic on dinosaurs? 58. And how many came back? 56. Correct. In a recent staff survey, which three words did staff use when describing your leadership style? Um, strong, uh, supportive and uh, fair. Or try again. Oh, um, kind, approachable and visionary. No, I'm afraid the correct answer was wears bad jumpers. And that's the end of that round. Mrs Ambrose, you've managed to score seven with one pass. That pass being, when did most of the reported bullying incidents occur this term? The correct answer was, and you'll kick yourself when you hear it, straight after your anti-bullying assembly. Oh, of course. <laughs> well, never mind. Mrs Ambrose, you have seven points. Well done. <laughs> and now the teaching forecast, issued by the teaching unions on behalf of the Department for Education. The area forecasts for the next 24 hours. Trafalgar class. Late pickups likely. Excuses. Flimsy to non-existent. Behaviour. Frustrated gale veering up aggressively. Chance of reprieve. Unlikely. Fisher's cupboard. PTA lost key turning up suddenly. Behaviour. Strong language becoming cyclonic. Chance of reprieve. Doubtful. Shannon's phone. Facebook group rapidly escalating. Strong. Behaviour. Unreasonable and veering up sharply. Chance of reprieve. Unthinkable at present. Parking Bay of Biscay. Local resident rapidly campaigning. Behaviour. Obnoxious. Rising unnecessarily. Chance of reprieve. Perhaps later. Dover class. Overbearing parent. Southwest rising. Behaviour, violent outburst, veering up quickly. Chance of reprieve, definitely not. Bailey's office, disgruntled queue growing rapidly, disquiet. Behaviour, excitable but contained. Chance of reprieve. You have been listening to Ed, you, Land. A brained comedy production for nobody in particular. The script was written and performed by Tim Browse and Elise Wayne. If you are interested in how brained comedy can support your professional development, then you should probably consider another profession. Goodbye for now and see you next time, when we invite you to enter Ed, you. <laughs>